BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I hope you're having a great week. Coming up on today's show, the UFC's heavyweight title picture might not be as clear as you think, and I've got more to say about the ridiculousness of the rankings, and we've got some big beef going on. I'll begin with that, but first, here's a quick word about one of our sponsors, Element. Let me tell you guys a recovery drink I've added to my post-workout routine. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with tons of sodium, potassium, and magnesium. You might be saying, tons of sodium? Well, yeah, we don't realize it, but when we sweat, sodium is the first electrolyte we use. Electrolyte imbalances can cause symptoms like headaches cramps, fatigue, and weakness. It's not the best feeling when you're trying to get in a daily solid workout. Whether you're in the wrestling room or hitting the pavement doing a run in the summer heat, everyone needs their electrolytes. What I appreciate most about this product is it's formulated with everything you need and nothing you don't. None of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. I was pleased to find out that Element is the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting and many other Olympic athletes. Navy SEALs use it, moms and exercise enthusiasts, everyone needs their electrolytes. I drink Element almost every day to recover after my workouts and when I don't, I can feel the difference. Element has a very special offer for my listeners only. Order a free Element sample pack and you only have to pay for the cost of shipping. That's it. Claim your free sample pack at drinklmnt.com slash chael. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com backslash chael for your free sample pack. Cormier and McGregor. Now, I will tell you this was a piece of drama that largely caught me off guard. To see Connor going after Daniel Cormier. In many ways, Daniel's like this untouchable. Because everybody likes him. He's the baddest dude in the room at all times, but he's also the most playful. Right? So nobody ever gets mad at Daniel. It would just be really hard to do. And Connor lashed out with him. Lashed out on him. This is through Twitter. Now, 
Connor has since deleted the tweets, which I think is my bigger problem, right? Because now there's no way to defend Connor. I would probably have been of the mind of Connor's out there entertaining. He's doing what Connor does. Great job, Connor. I would probably make a case for McGregor. I can't do that when he deletes it because now that means that he wishes he hadn't said it. Right? There's no way for Connor's defenders to defend him when he publicly declares, I'm wrong. I wish I wouldn't have done it, which is what deleting it is. So then you're left to try to interpret and try to guess how do we get there in the first place. Now, there is a part of the story that might be glaring, obviously, uh, that you guys all know that I don't, which is what started this. I believe, I believe it came from a comment that Daniel made that had to do with the injury that resulted in that contest being stopped, right? The breaking Connor's foot. I believe that Daniel was saying that it was checked or it wasn't checked. This seems to be a big deal to Connor. Connor has hung his hat on some very bizarre arguments. The doctor stoppage was a really important one to him, but he's also making an argument on how the injury hap- happened. Was it a kick? Was it a check? Was it offense? Was it defense? There's something there that matters to him. I don't get it. And the foggiest idea why it matters that you lost the fight, doctor stop. I haven't the foggiest idea how your foot got broken in half or as to what the relevance would be when the end result is this fight is stopped because your foot was broken in half. Great. It sounds like we're all saying the same thing, but Connor is getting very specific on how he wants that worded. And there's something about the way that Daniel worded it that Connor didn't like. And it has to do with this check business. Like I've heard Connor say that before. He even said at the ring at the time, there's something with this check business that, that he wants acknowledged for what it was. Okay. So he comes out at Daniel and he says, you know, that Daniel's looking sloppy. And then he said that Daniel was drinking the day before at a, at a media event. Is that fireable? I think he even used the word sackable. So there's multiple problems here, right? Because I always come to you from a standpoint of give McGregor some slack. He's entertainer. He's an entertainer who's out entertaining. I lose that argument when he deletes it. As soon as it gets deleted, it's no longer out there. There is no longer an entertainment. That is a form of an apology. That is a form of an admission of guilt. So now I, as a Connor defender, I can't take that stance. So what do I stand on? I then have to look at it from the standpoint of Mr. Entertainer is now a snitch. Daniel did not show up to anything drunk, guys. Do not mistake that. Let's say he did. Connor said he did. Connor's now a snitch. He tattled on him? You tattled on one of the boys? Did he do anything wrong? Was he obnoxious? Was he unruly? No. Okay, well then how did you know? Well, I just know I could smell him. Then you're a snitch. Why'd you tattle on him? Particularly from a guy who's in the business of selling alcohol and shows up at press conferences with a whiskey right on the desk. Not great. Daniel did not do this. Sharing with you that now I've got a snitch. Now I'm going to try to defend a snitch. Which has been one of Connor's great allegations from day one. He's called people rats. or he's Now he's a tattletale. The whole thing's just very weird. So Daniel comes back. He fires back at, at Connor. Daniel wins the day. Daniel says, hey, don't worry about me. Don't worry about Daniel Cormier. Worry about all those guys that keep kicking your ass every time you get in the octagon. Okay, great. Point Daniel. Daniel comes out on top of this thing. Daniel does not delete it because Daniel is not a coward. 
it puts me in a tough spot. It really does. I feel, right or wrong, attached to Connor's career. I feel as though I understand him on a way that others don't, and therefore it's incumbent on me to come out and explain, to come out and smooth it over. I've still got hope. Of the pie, there is a portion of it that is ever-dimming that does lend to the possibility that he's an entertainer. I lose that when he deletes. There's a part of me that also sees a guy who's marking out for his own gimmick. And as human beings, we are whoever we pretend to be. And the great actors, I'm talking about the award winners, that go and get recognized by the SAG at the end of the year, by their fellow peers who voted for them and elevated them. They will become the person they are portraying. You will see a guy that does a great job in a Western, but he's not actually a cowboy. He doesn't actually ride a horse around. He's got a six-shooter on his hip, but he, he did for that character, and he believed it. You'll see some of the greats like Matthew McConaughey that have to lose weight for a role, and they will actually do it. They will go and lose 40 pounds. They will go and become that person. You will see people that have to play homeless or somebody like in concentration camp, tough situation, and they will wear less clothing, eat less food, sometimes sleep in bad conditions just to get ready for the role. They will become that person. But as soon as they quit, you walk away, you go back to your normal life, and you wait to get the next script. It's an advantage that an actor has because it ebb and flows and it moves all the time. When you're an entertainer in the world of sport, and it's the same character and the same gimmick day in and day out, you don't get a new script. Over time, if you become very good into that character, you will mark out for your own gimmick. You will forget where the act ends and the reel begins. And I'm seeing a side of Connor who has preached for years that he will stand alone. He has no friends. It's him versus the world. Ireland versus everybody. That is a great storyline. It's the very storyline that Stone Cold Steve Austin used. Stone Cold wasn't with the heels and he wasn't with the bad guys. He didn't like the heels and he didn't, look the, he didn't like the good guys. He hated them all. He stood alone. It had never been done before. There was no character that was ever developed like that. The bad guys went the bad guys. The good guys went the good guys. Stone Cold stood alone and flipped them both off. It had never been done. The closest that we've ever seen in MMA is the Diaz boys. Anybody. Everybody gets treated the same. You're part of the scrap pack or you're everybody else. Great. Great marketing. It works. Connor was playing that same role, but it appears now that he started to think that he actually could do it by himself, which he can't. He can't. If I had any advice I could give Connor, it would be just to stop with his McGregor sports, whatever that is. Talking about going out and promoting a fight. He will lose all of his money. It will be like Brewster's millions. He will be broke instantly. He does not know what he's doing. And he will never learn because there's three or four people alive that know how to do it. And it's a closed mouth business. They're never going to tell you. Now, I share that with you because the lane that he's in, if he stays in it, is a beautiful lane made out of gold. It's a wonderful spot. But as I start, see him starting to mark out for his own gimmick, and if there's any part of him that believes he can do this on his own, he's wrong. He's wrong. I will personally make a dent in Conor McGregor if I never talk about him again. Personally, I'm one guy. 
If I never say the words Conor McGregor again, I will personally, directly make a dent in the empire. This sport only has four voices. It's got four voices, okay? You got Anakin Florian. You got Brendan Schaub, who largely covers boxing and Bellator. You have Joe Rogan, who you're never going to get a hold of. You have Michael Bisping, who does a damn good job. And you got me. Next lesson in this, don't ever say there's four and then count them out and you end up with five. You should probably get that math done ahead of time or you look like a little bit of a fool. But my point is the same. It's a very, it's a very small environment. So you are playing a game constantly to win those voices over. You're playing a game constantly to get to more press conferences, more time on ESPN, break into Sports Center, be friends with Kellerman, be able to get a hold of Stephen A., no Glenn Jacobs phone number. Right? I mean, there's some things that you got to do if you're going to navigate this sport. And if you believe that you're going to do it on your own, you can't. It's a great thing to say. There's a bravado in it. You just can't believe that it's actually true. And I feel as though when you start coming after one of the announcers for the organization who's going to be here long after you're gone, that it's a step in the wrong direction. I think that deleting was very wise. I think if you want to have some fun and a back and forth with Daniel Cormier, we're having a totally different conversation. This looked to be serious. There was the calling for ending Daniel's participation, right? The gloves are off. You go after a guy's livelihood. We're playing a whole nother game here. And I don't know how much sincerity was put on it. I know it still came from a standpoint of being a snitch, which isn't a wonderful thing. And when Connor's time does come and go, like everybody's, there's not very many guys that are going to be left standing. Daniel's one of them. Daniel will be left standing. Connor can get a microphone and get some real attention two to three times a year. And it's massive what he can do. Daniel will have a microphone every Saturday. So it's, it's one of those games that you've got to be careful. And Daniel would never use the power of his position. He is too smart to do that. It's your job to acknowledge that there is some power within that position. If you think you're going to do this on your own, you're wrong. There is five voices out there. There, there was no band, band or pack stronger than the one I just named for you. If Rogan, Bisping, Anik, Florian, Schaub, and Chael band together and do not speak about you, your time in this sport is done. We would never do that. That's not what I'm sharing with you. We don't set up texts and decide who we're going to put over or we're going to put under. I'm just sharing with you that that community is very small. And if you believe that you can do it on your own and we ever call you on it and say, well, good luck. Good luck. We're out. Five people in the world talk about this sport that matter, that have influence. Those five are done talking about you just because we want to tell. We just want to see how you're going to do on your own. You're not going to like you're not going to like how that story ends. So there's a trend happening here. If you've got a microphone and you say something bad about Conor McGregor, he'll come after you. It just so happens that two guys who know this are now beefing themselves. Dustin Poirier has called out Nate Diaz. Now, that is really smart for a number of reasons, okay? Let's start at the very beginning. There is no number one contender within the sport 
any organization, any weight class, there is no number one contender who is a clearer, correct choice for number one contender than Dustin Poirier. Nobody. Everybody in the locker room, everybody in the division, whose sole job it is to fight and claw and politic for their own opportunity, is standing back and saying, I will look like a fool. Of course, Dustin goes next. Great. But now that you have that established, and now that the current champion, Charles Oliveira, who would love to be recognized for what he is, which is a remarkably good fighter, still has to defend and still has to do some good work in defending to take his rightful claim in terms of getting recognition from the community. Fine. That can start and end with Poirier. Oliveira goes out there, beats Poirier. That's not going to close the book. There's always going to be speculation, but boy, that's going to help you skip a few chapters, isn't it? Poirier's going in a different direction. Now, the reason I love I know Poirier's going to fight Oliveira. Don't think that you have to leave a comment below. I'm well aware, but I'm bringing to you what Poirier's doing. Oliveira has to fight the number one contender, not the other way around. Oliveira has to fight the top guy because he's the champion, but it's also what he would like to do internally before his window closes. He would like to get as many good names under his belt as he possibly can. If the biggest name out there, Dustin Poirier, goes in another direction, Poirier could look and go, I don't need to fight you. I fight big fights. I've had business with Nate Diaz that spawns back over two years, and don't forget he does. Poirier was supposed to fight Nate Diaz at Madison Square Garden. Whatever happened, happened. I can't totally remember the story, but Diaz stayed intact, bringing George Masvidal, BMF belt on the line. Point I'm attempting to make is Poirier, this isn't revisionist history. This is somebody who he's been trying to collide with for a number of years, so his argument looks very good. We get that it's a crash grab. We get that he's after the money, but you have to be able to disguise that in some fashion, and Dustin is. So what do you do if you're Charles Oliveira, right? What do you do? I don't know that anybody's been in this spot before. I don't know that I can recall a time a number one contender has called for a fight that wasn't the champion, and then you add the caveat that the fight that the number one contender is calling for is a bigger fight. I believe that there would be more attention for Diaz versus Poirier, which does have a two, two and a half year running history behind it, than there would be for Poirier versus Oliver, which is a very good fight. It's a very good fight. Just attempting to acknowledge that I don't think we've ever been in a spot where a number one contender has called for a fight against somebody else. It would be very fascinating if this continued to happen. And we all kind of kept our mouths shut, threw away the key when it came to Surreal Gong going to take on Francis Ngannou. We feel as though we understand that. We feel as that is what the interim championship represents, and the interim champion's got to take on the undisputed champion. That is certainly the intent, but what if Surreal Gone went after John Jones? What if? What if Surreal Gone said, I am the interim champion, I would like to defend my belt. I'm going to put the interim championship up for grabs against John. What would happen? What would you guys do? And I understand that to have any kind of integrity towards the competitive architecture of which this sport greatly lacks, but to show any kind of integrity for it, you could not do that. But what would you do if you were in a decision-making role and Surreal Gong called out John Jones and John said, you know what, I think that's a great idea. I've already been the undisputed champion. I would like to go for this interim championship. What would you do? You're having a hard time getting Francis to the table. 
He apparently needs training camps before he goes out and goes to work three times a year. What if John came in, said, yeah, the interim championship, that's something new, that's something I would like to do. What would you do? It's an interesting spot. It's not one that I think that we're going to be put in. I think that it's very much hypothetical. I think that very much it's for nothing more than conversation, but it does appear to be happening at 155 pounds right now. I believe Poirier has to go fight Oliveira, but that's also because I've been inundated and influenced throughout time that the number one contender fights the champion and the champion fights the number one contender. I believed that Poirier versus Conor McGregor was to represent who that person was at 155 pounds to take on the winner of Michael Chandler versus Oliveira. So I was conditioned to believe that as they advance, this fight is done, nothing left to see here. Thank you very much for coming. Here's your hat, what's your hurry? I don't know that it's quite that obvious. I like what Poirier's doing. I don't think it's got legs to it. I think it's a conversation piece. But what would happen if other guys did that? What would happen if other number one contenders did not want to fight for the championship or other champions did not want to fight the number one contender? Because that's the game that they've been playing for years. In boxing, you have to deal with it every time there's a big fight. The champion never fights the right guy. And in most cases, the guy that their community calls the champion isn't the best. But we haven't had to, to deal with that in MMA. And if you do have guys that are unwilling to come to the table, why should a number one contender have to sit around? If Francis Ngannou, whatever his issue is, whatever reason he didn't go out to Houston and do what he was supposed to do, which apparently I'd begrudge. Appar I mean, I've got some tone when I've been talking about Francis lately. There, there's something about that that apparently annoys me. What if he tries to do it again? Should Shereel have to be punished? Because don't forget, the whole person that we learned this argument from was Francis. It's just once you get a belt, all of a sudden the guy's not the same guy anymore. All of a sudden the guy's not as hungry. It's never happened. We've never seen anybody outside of the name of Kamara Usman who with a belt is just as happy and active to compete. We've never seen it. But Francis, the night he stopped Rosenstrike, Dana came out and said, that's the number one contender. He will wait for a world title fight. Francis was angry about that. Francis said, no, I work for a living. I fight for a living. I don't want to be punished. I don't want to be made unemployed. I don't want to have to sit on the shelf. I don't want my, my good deeds and my hard work to be punished. I want it to be rewarded. That was an unforeseen. Not at all how Dana meant it. Not at all how our community meant it. It was meant as a pat on the back and a recognition that you are the number one contender and we won't let anything happen to take it from you. Francis didn't see it that way. He saw good work being punished. Great, but it's the same guy that now isn't willing to go to work at all. So what do you do if you get that call from Francis? I can't meet that date. What if you're surreal and you don't want to be punished? What if you're surreal and you've got the sense that God gave geese that I don't need to deal with Francis anyway, as big of a fight that is, a bigger fight is John Jones. Let me get something going with him. I got a belt. I'll put it up. He says he wants to be a champion. Come get my belt. Sure, they put interim in front of my title, but they end it with champions. So what in the hell's the difference? What would you do? It's a hypothetical question. We are not confronted with this, but what would you do? If you were willing to work around Francis the first time, which is what Derek versus Surreal indicated, why would you not work around him a second time, particularly when what I'm presenting for you is a much bigger fight? Jones versus Surreal. And it would only be big because of the surprise factor. 
Surreal versus Engano is on track to be the biggest heavyweight fight of all time. And I should remind you, Brock Lesnar used to be a heavyweight. So the heavyweights have some damn big fights, and this one is still on track to surpass that. But the surprise factor of the immersion of John Jones would get everybody's wow factor up. Now, John will never see that coming, and John's team will never see that coming. And John's next video will be of him posted doing bench pressing or running on a treadmill. It won't have anything to do with the brilliant idea that I just laid out for you. But what if? And before you think that's terribly far-fetched, all I'm doing is taking a scenario that's happening right in front of us and applying different names to it. It's exactly what Dustin Poirier is doing right now. Imagine that Dustin would just like to have a negotiation as it pertains to Oliveira. And the person on the other end of the phone goes, there's nothing to negotiate. You have a contract and you're the number one contender, which means you're drawn to this guy. Sorry, we just have nothing to talk about. Maybe next time. Imagine that's the scenario. So Dustin goes out and he creates something else of even more interest. And now dangling that he's not going to follow the architecture you put in place and not give you that fight. Now you need to steer him back and you see a reason to start discussing things. It was just a brilliant move. It was a very, very smart move. And when you start messing with championships, you start to get pushback from the media. You get pushback from everybody but me. I love the interim championship. I love the BMF. And if we could add divisions, add categories, and do more belts, I would be all for it. I think there is a very limited amount of opportunity and a limited amount of recognition. I love the Olympics, but the fact that they can only pull it off every four years just shows you how disorganized the Olympic Committee is. Well, it's more prestigious. It's not more prestigious that you don't know what you're doing well enough to do it more than once every four years. Abu Dhabi's doing that in the grappling world right now. Well, we're the most prestigious. You're the most prestigious because you're the most rare. You're the most rare because you don't know what the hell you're doing. If you were good at what you did, you'd put on more events than once every other year. I only bring it to you because they can't get away with this. You're not fooling anybody here. So when you start messing with champions, you start to get pushback. If you start messing with contenders, there's no pushback. You start talking about, I'm going to do an interim title here, or I'm going to suspend this title, or I'm going to move the date of the title. All of a sudden, people want to push back. They never do it with contenders. If this was Oliveira calling out somebody other than Poirier, so now he's openly not given an opportunity to the number one contender, it's going to be a totally different dialogue. Right now, we have a contender in Dustin Poirier calling out another contender in Nate Diaz. It's very much uncharted territory. I don't know that I've seen anything like it. I need a little bit more time to fully deduce what I make of it. I can tell you right now I love it. I love the concept. I don't believe we're going to see Poirier versus Nate. I believe we're going to see Poirier versus Oliveira. But the mere fact that we now have something to talk about. Dustin has to have something to talk about. If he starts getting anything to define where he goes next and this is what you're going to do based on just because, it doesn't put himself in a great position. He's found a workaround. It was a brilliant move by Poirier. As I just laid out, I'm confident the lightweight title picture is set. I thought the same thing about the heavyweights too until I just saw something on Twitter. That's coming up in a moment, but first, here's a word about one of our sponsors. Have you guys ever wanted to watch some international show series or film, but weren't able to because it's only available in other countries? 
my international listeners often recommend shows to me that I wasn't able to watch until I started using ExpressVPN. I didn't know ExpressVPN had this feature, but it lets you change your online location so you can control where you want sites to think you are located. All you have to do is open the ExpressVPN app, select a location, tap one button to connect, and refresh the page to access thousands of new movies and shows. Just like that, you'll have international shows and films available to you from almost 100 different countries like Canada, Japan, Australia, and Germany. This feature works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you can watch anime on Japanese Netflix, Star Trek, Discovery, on UK Netflix, and more. Stream in HD, no problem. No buffering or lag. I love that. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. Not only does it let you change your location, it also encrypts your data and lets you surf the web safely and anonymously. I like the option of being undetectable by our internet service providers. Nothing is private anymore. Guys, go to expressvpn.com slash jail to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash jail for three free extra months. Errol Hawani sent out a tweet and he said the UFC should do everything in its power to book Francis Ngannou versus John Jones next, comma, yes, that's right, next. What the hell's Ariel talking about? That's interesting to me. I wonder where that came from. So I think about it a little bit. Ariel goes on to explain himself and he just talks about precedence. First off, if you book that fight next, how do you explain the interim championship? And Ariel goes, well, there's actually a precedence. And I think he used Bisping as an example. It's like Whitaker or somebody had the belt, but they brought in Bisping anyway. I don't know that that makes it better, by the way. I don't know if there's some weird time in history and you go, well, it's already been weird once and it was seven years ago and therefore we could be weird again because that would be weird for me. One thing that I took away from Surreal versus Derek and one thing that I went into this as a fan appreciating was that we're finally going to have clarity in the heavyweight division. Thank goodness, like that belt is going to mean a lot to Surreal, to his family, to his coaches, but to the rest of us, the fan, we finally got a number one contender. We finally know somewhere this division's going to go. So if you took that away, and you most certainly could, I'm just sharing with you, I don't know that Errol's right. What Errol was talking about is that you play the John Jones card because that works and that's going to work right now. So then you, you have to be left with and juxtapose a simple question, and I'll ask it to you guys. Francis Ngannou versus Surreal Gone, or Francis Ngannou versus John Jones, which one do you want to see more? Probably a hard question, right? I'm asking myself that. Man, I'm in. You got me either way. I'm in. You have to understand they're very different characters and they don't all work interchangeably. The matchmaking and how it's going to happen is a very big deal. Even if you were to back up to a fight that could have happened, but do you want to see Francis Ngannou versus John Jones or do you want to see John Jones versus Derek Lewis? That's two very different Matchups, two very different anticipations. John Jones versus Surreal Gone anytime prior to a week ago doesn't work. 
We didn't know who Surreal was. We didn't know that Surreal was this good. The fact that Surreal had never been taken down, we didn't put in the plus column. We held that against him. This guy's barely done it. He's got so little experience. Matter of fact, he's never even been on bottom. Now that we're seeing a little more, we're going, man, this son of a bitch, you can't even take him down. But it's a different perception. And you do have to make sure that you understand this. The John Jones experiment at heavyweight only works in one way, which is that John gets his ass kicked. If you put John into a fight that you believe John is going to win, we haven't changed things. It's why John left 205 pounds. He was great at what he did, but he was having the Roy Jones Jr. effect. Roy Jones, as great as he was, and he was for a whole decade, couldn't sell any tickets. He couldn't make any money. He was so good that there was just no curiosity in the viewer's mind where they could suspend reality far enough to accept that Roy might get beat tonight. And that's what happened to John, right? Very unfair. He became a victim of his own success, but I'm just reminding you why he left 205 pounds. As hard as those fights were with Dominic Reyes or with Santos for the first time with Gustafson, nobody knew or expected prior to the fight that they were going to be hard. Thought John was just going to walk over him. So that perception being the reality was not good for sales. So John leaves the division to go to heavyweight. Great, but a piece that John was missing. John is very out of touch with his own career. The piece that John needs to go make that money is he needs to be the underdog. If we believe he's going to win, we've already seen that. We've seen that since he was 23 years old when he became the youngest champion in history. Aside from his loss to Matt Hamill, it's been perfect. So we've already seen that. How many of you really like a movie? You love it. It's your favorite movie. You paid $10 to see it. You want to see it again? Are you going to pay me another $10? Maybe. Maybe. Will you do it a third time? Same price. Still got to pay me 10 bucks. Would you do it a fourth and a fifth and a seventh? Right. Eventually you're going to... No. No. I, I want to see another picture now. It's really important that you understand that when you're inserting John Jones into the heavyweight class and you're going to get the captivation and imagination of the masses, which transfers to business, which equals the dollars that John is very clearly after, you have to have the piece that he is the underdog. John would be the underdog against Francis. That's why that was so compelling. That's why that jumped off the page the night that Francis beat Stipe. Wow. Stopped all the takedowns. Stop the greatest of all time. Bring in John Jones. Never been in the weight class, and Francis is going to have all this size on him. Whether that played out to be the story or not, it's what it would have been. And for the first time ever, John would have gone into a contest as the underdog. It's very relevant. So John versus Francis, right now, it still works. Ariel's not wrong. But John versus Surreal, I would argue for you, I don't know how bullishly I would argue this. I think John versus Surreal is the bigger fight. I think a lot of that has to do with the surprise factor, that it's new. That might wear off over the course of two or three months, and we're back arguing. I think for right now, tonight, I think that Surreal's bigger. But I don't know that I agree with Ariel that you want to insert John and exclude either Surreal or Francis because the winner of Surreal or Francis is going to be catapulted which is where if you bring in John, John's not only an underdog now, he's going to be a massive underdog. But the bigger the spread at the window, the bigger the spread of the odd makers against Jones is what's going to bring in the business. That's what's going to get John what he wants, which is a big paycheck. I, I, I feel as though that might be being missed by people who are talking about John at heavyweight doesn't work. John versus Curtis Blades doesn't. It's fine. Go ahead.
John versus Derek. It's fine. It's fine. We'll stop. We'll watch it. Go ahead. John versus Stipe. Well, now you got pretty damn interesting. But it's not a skill issue. It's a perception issue. And if you want to know, if you want to have a great parameter for how well is business going to be this night, it's going to be directly tied to what are the odds against John Jones. What's the chance I'm going to see something, a movie that I've never seen before, an ending that I've never heard before? I think that it's important that you keep some kind of integrity intact with the interim belt. I'm one of the few guys that likes the interim belt, though. A lot of people have a problem with it. I think it's opportunity. I think that that storyline never gets old. I think you walk a champ against a champ. I just all the marbles. You're playing poker. You are all in. I like it. I like that there's opportunity. I like that things don't get held up. I like that the boys in the back still have something to strive towards and work towards. I don't care you want to put a, a few letters in front of it. Interim. I don't care what you want to put. BMF. I don't care what you put there. If it ends in champion, guy was a champion. That's awesome. As all of you guys are aware, I usually have some strong feelings about John Jones and the rankings. How about we combine the two? Oh, the rankings. The rankings gods have done it again. Right now, apparently this is the hill I want to die on. Apparently I'm just not ready to let go or willing to let go of the idea of how ridiculous the rankings are. Now, understand where I come from in case you're a new viewer. I love the rankings, but I'm also a guy who gets paid to sit on his ass in front of a camera and it gives me a jumping off point every single Tuesday at 8 a.m. Never a time that rankings come out that I don't now have something to discuss, particularly on a low day. I can look at the controversy of the ranking. I can look whether or not I agree with the ranking, but I will always have something to discuss. And it also puts us, the MMA community, in line with other sports of which all carry a ranking. In that regard, great. My resentment towards the ranking is you coward fighters who don't want to get in there and do any of the heavy lifting and you use your weight of getting out of something that this guy isn't ranked high enough. Now, the rankings have struck yet again to prove how much they stink. They did it this morning. John Jones is the number one ranked pound for pound fighter in the world. Why is that ridiculous? Because John doesn't have a license to fight. John doesn't have a contract to fight. John has not fought in a meaningful period of time. And you come forward and you still want to say, yeah, but he's the best. Okay, Khabib fought more recently than John. Meaningfully more recently. Eight months more recently. And Khabib is not ranked. How? We were having a meaningful debate X amount of time ago of who should be one and who should be two. There was even a time because Khabib asked for it. He did nothing more than ask for it. But you guys did put him at one and you moved John to two. Now you've moved John to one without fighting and Khabib's not ranked at all. How? Well, G-Chail, real easy answer. Khabib retired. How can you say John hasn't? Khabib used the words, I'm not going to fight again. That was enough to get him unranked. John used other words, but his actions were the opposite of them. He hasn't fought. As a matter of fact, he has no contract to fight. He has not identified a weight class, and he has no license. But he's ranked number one. Not only is he ranked number one, he moved up from two to one. I'm not sure that the rankings don't have it right. By the way, 
I'm not sure that if I wasn't in charge of the rankings that I wouldn't also have to take a guy at his word. I would just be confronted with reality, which is this guy's word is he's going to fight again, but he did it eight months less previous than the guy who says he's not going to do it again. Who are you to tell me who I can rank if we're not going to look at people that are active in doing it, but moreover, we're not even going to look at people that are licensed to do it. My father was a plumber. Worked hard every day. But a plumber doesn't mean he worked for a plumbing company. It's a level of education and schooling that then comes with what's known as a journeyman's license. It is an actual term. Had my father let that license expire or he didn't update it, he would no longer be a plumber. And if he went and took a job and tried to charge wage, claiming to be a plumber, and he didn't have that little license in his pocket, it would have been fraud. So before you tell me, chill, quit talking about his license. All he has to do is fill out some paperwork. You all have a license too that are 16 or older. And if you don't have a license, you can't operate the vehicle. You don't have to go in and be tested every year, but you are going to have to renew that. And if you ever don't renew it and you get pulled over, you're going to find out the big difference in having a license and not having one, in being currently licensed and formerly licensed. So the rankings committee took John Jones, who used to be ranked number two, is now number one, not having fought, took the number one guy who was Khabib, who fought eight months more recent, moved him out completely, and then they moved up Fazayev, they moved up Surreal. Those things seem to make a level of sense. So you got one really weird one in conjunction with two that makes sense, but that's this Tuesday's. If I was to take you back to a Tuesday prior, we had guys who moved into the top 10 who had wins, but they weren't over top 10 guys. I also think the rankings got it right. I don't think an Islam Makhlchev has to beat the number four guy in the world to be ranked number four in the world. I think we can juxtapose the performances. We can look at what Islam has done, look at the lack of opposition he had to face. And I don't mean a lack of competition. I'm talking about the lack of offense his opponents were even able to mount because he was so one-way aggressive. And I think that you could take him from a number 14 to a top five spot, even if he didn't beat one of those guys. But you don't. You, who argues on the side that my favorite fighter shouldn't need to fight so-and-so because my favorite fighter has a number three next to his name, and that guy doesn't have a ranking at all, you're kind of left on an island by yourself. You're playing third base wearing a catcher's mitt. Meanwhile, you give me a Sean O'Malley, who I think has a ranking. I don't actually know, but he's got a beautiful record. He's one of the most important guys within the division. He's a main card or higher fighter, and you put him against anybody you want. What's the difference? What is possibly the difference? Because you'll never get around the fact that Daniel Cormier, who was a number one contender, took on a barista who was not in the organization named Pat Cummings. Daniel beat Pat Cummings. Daniel's next fight was a main event against John Jones for the world championship. The rankings are ridiculous, but nobody in the rankings department needs to be embarrassed. They're not meaningful anyway. They weren't meant to be. They were meant to be something to talk about by a guy like me who used to love to talk about it. My only disdain and pushback to the ridiculousness, which is our rankings is that you fellow fighters are using them as an excuse to be a coward. To close out today's show, I want to get you caught up on the latest opinions around Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, which I feel we've all forgotten about. 
Tyron Woodley, Jake Paul, it's getting closer and closer and I feel like the momentum's died a little bit. Why is that? This thing was pretty hot at first. One thing that they did that surprised me, I remember the date that this came out, that it was announced. They kicked the can. They announced the thing like 10 weeks before a fight, which generally they do things a little bit quicker. I love the way uh, Floyd Mayweather does it. Floyd Mayweather will make an announcement for the fight. He will be in the ring five weeks later, four and a half weeks later. I just love how quick it is. One thing that I did notice with Paul and Tyron is they put a meaningful amount of time between it. So maybe that's why we're in a little bit of a lull. Maybe this thing, they got a plan, they're going to fire this thing back up. But Gegard Mousasi weighed in on it. Gegard has no ties to this. But Gegard is a guy that's had 50 damn fist fights and a lot of them pure striking contests, certainly has the right to an opinion. And he said things aren't going to go well for Woodley. And I thought, you know, you've heard some big names like Gegard speak up on Jake's behalf. And I thought maybe they trained together. And apparently guys that do go in and they watch Jake and Logan work out. These guys work pretty hard. They gain a level of respect. They're not afraid to jump in there. And some of these guys feel, I think it was Mike Perry who actually got in there and felt him and came away and said, man, Paul can, Paul can box. So that wasn't the case with Gegard. And I'm just wondering what Gegard sees. Because we've had very limited Jake Paul. I am not in line with discounting him. I used to be. Learn from your mistake. I do not discount him. But if you're speaking real objective, what is it that we've seen him do well? There's a couple of things. With Nate Robinson, I was most impressed with his flinches. With his flinches, his ability to move and get a reaction. I was most impressed with that, even though that's not an offensive scoring technique, because I know that takes time in the gym. To be in front of an opponent and to flinch, to get a reaction, and then come into your combinations, that it, a lot of work. A lot of work goes into that. And to be disciplined enough in the moment to not just throw, but instead to set him up and start digging, I was impressed. You go into the fight with Ben Askren. I could see he has a natural power. These are definitely positives and they are definitely compliments, but it's still all that I have and that's not much. That is not much. How does he do when he gets tired? That would be the number one question. How does he do later in the fight? His brother passed the test. His brother has hopped up on the hoopies. I don't know that he shared. I'm not sure Logan shared with Jake if they are on the same supplements, or I apologize if they're both using the supplements, it's not the same. So whether Jake knows it or not, Big Brother is keeping a secret even from him. It's not the same. Frost waited on this, and Frost said, yes, I'm sure that Jake Paul will be on PEDS, and PEDS make a big difference, and T-Wood won't be. One came up this way culturally, one came up this way, and they're going to go and fight, and those PEDS make a difference. PEDS is an interesting conversation in boxing, though, as a whole. You don't see a lot of it. Like, there's not a big problem in amateur boxing. You have three three-minute rounds, and there's just not a number of PEDS that would have time to do their real benefit. Big and big and strong in boxing. Like, there's a question in boxing. Does lifting weights hurt you, or does it really hurt you in boxing? Right? That Some of that muscle, it doesn't equate to power. That's all in technique. So you go put that size on, it's harder to get blood flow to it, it slows you down a little bit. You don't want to be a big, strong guy in boxing. There's a reason you don't see those big bodybuilders out there doing it. It's an endurance sport. But when you start to get over to the pros and you start getting out there for 12 rounds, I mean, you have an assortment. You have an ass From what Pacquiao has done in every fight except for the one against Floyd because they brought in USADA, Juan Marquez Jr., you guys remember him? 
He fought Pacquiao four times, got stomped out for three, went and got juiced up and knocked Pacquiao not only out, he knocked him out of the ring in the fourth fight. You look at Woody Vander Holyfield did right. I mean, there are some very clear guys who do not follow the water code. But it is meaningfully different. I would just share that in boxing to some other sports, amateur versus pro. Bigger, stronger, faster. When you're dealing with performance enhancers, they are not all anabolics. But those tend to be the first ones that a guy goes to. An anabolic would be the opposite of what you want for the sport of boxing. So, when you come back to Gagark's comments, it's not going to go well for T. Wood. Sounds like Gagark's a believer. I'm still questioning what he believes in. Now, he could be right, and Paul goes out there and stops Woodley in a minute. It still would not satisfy my questioning of Gegard making the statement now based on what? I saw great feints in the Nate Robinson fight. Saw good power in the Ben Askren fight. I'm having a hard time finding anything else. And with that power in the Askren fight, there was also an accuracy, right? Paul only threw a couple of punches, but he did go to a body a couple of times. He got a couple of reactions before he came upstairs. I mean, I shared everything that I saw. It looked very good. I just saw very limited stuff. Meanwhile, I've got hours of Tyron Woodley. And Tyron is very quick, and he's got good head movement. I mean, to hit Tyron Woodley is not a guarantee. You're going to throw a lot of punches, and you're going to miss a lot, and you're going to get frustrated, and he's going to get inside. Tyron is for sure going to hit Paul back, and Tyron is for sure going to be harder to hit than anybody that Paul has hit so far. This is an analysis based on very little. It sounds as though I'm being critical of Jake. I'm actually a believer. Do I believe he can beat a former world champion? You're having a totally different conversation. I think he's going to have his work cut out for him, and I would just like to hear why Gegard thinks so. I would like to know what Gegard saw. Did Gegard get into the gym with him? Did Gegard have a teammate or a friend that was in the gym that saw special things that we've been yet to be revealed? For a guy like Gegard, who's earned the right to his opinion, Gegard's opinion, man, he's a sitting champion, for goodness sakes. I would have liked a little bit more analysis. A little bit more analysis. What have you seen? What do you expect to see? That, that would make me happier. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you aren't already, be sure to follow the show on Apple and Spotify. And remember to tell your friends about this show brought to you by one of the top five voices in the sport, this voice. We'll be back for more on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21- 
21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.